Dade seemed not to recover his strength until the summer, when the whole family went to stay at perrault guirec in a faraway corner of Brittany, where the sea was of the same colour as in his own country. Often he would play his saddest tunes on the beach and pretend that the sea stopped its roaring to listen to them. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Does whatever a spider can. Look out. Here comes Spider-Man. Welcome to episode 900 of LaRoe Less Traveled. I'm Kara, this is Kristen, and we're coming at you with some chaotic energy here today in the studio. Deeply chaotic. I busted out actual podcast recording equipment. And I did. Fun fact. I also do a sliders podcast. It's called Three Truths in a Slide if you want to watch a 90s TV show and then listen to me bullshit about that. Or... If you're in proximity, you could, you could still try to get to the Majestic and see Phantom before it closes, which, oh, that's actually so funny. When When is Phantom closing, Kara? Oh, that's a great fucking question. Um, I just want to go on the record and say I was 100% right. I was re-listening to the last episode in which I said I had my tin hat firmly on. I was saying that something was going on. I was also saying that there was going to be an influencer-only show. I'm 100% correct. 100% correct. 100% validated. How does it feel to be right? It feels great. You know, not everything has worked out, but a lot of things have worked out. So on Monday, you told me you broke the news. I don't know. How, no, it how was, did you find out? It wasn't Monday. It was Tuesday. And the thing was, it was on Giving Tuesday, which all day long, I had been excited by seeing the emails that said it's Giving Tuesday because I heard in my head, it's Giving Tuesday. What it was giving was a Phantom of the Opera extension. So They gave I, us that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. For Giving Tuesday, they gave us that. No, I saw it on Twitter and it looked like it was posted 12 minutes before whenever I saw it. So I was like, Kara, 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 it's like, did you see this? And then what would you... What would you describe as the sensation that overcame you at that time? Uh, I did that thing that I do where like I black out when I receive incredible information about like a fan item. And so like my students, my high school students know that when when Missy is looking at her computer or phone, like with an intensity that is like suddenly shocking uh, to just stop talking. And so they did. They were like, what's going on? I'm like, everyone shut up for two minutes. Uh, and then I broke the news to like more people. We confirmed that it was obviously true. Uh, New York yes. Times ran it. Whatever. Phantom is extended until April 16th, which is we kind of knew that was going to happen because people were many people were saying many people were asking, why are you you're telling us everything but when the last batch of tickets goes on sale? Where are they? So and they released the last batch up until February 4th. And then the last like they weren't releasing like the last two weeks of tickets. And I was like, that's weird. And then last week they had like their best week of sales ever, which is crazy. Like I was trying to just, you know, sometimes I like to go to the Phantom of the Opera and <laughs> I was trying to get tickets and uh, they were sold out. But so you truly 
you went through an experience that was the same amount traumatic as when Frodo had to like dispose of the one ring. And that was called you trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. But did you persevere? Right. So they released the phantom tickets and they were like, there's going to be a waiting room for the phantom tickets. This is this week. Miss Kara, I have been traumatized because the week prior I was trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. And as we now know, it is a matter of national security how bad that was. Feds got involved. <laughs> like the like senator from Connecticut who like I don't even follow on but just like uh, be, being in the tri-state area. Dick Blumenthal was like, this is unbelievable. I was trying to get tickets. <laughs> like all these people, all these senators were like trying to get tickets. Like when you had to get in the virtual waiting room for Phantom after having gone through all that, would you say it was a lot like Apocalypse Now for you? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> what had happened was I was, I just joined like a couple minutes early. I was like still panicking, but like, I don't know, it's Phantom of the Opera tickets. 20 million people were trying to get Taylor Swift tickets. I don't believe that same number was in the queue for phantom tickets but i can't be positive probably fair to say probably fair to say but i found out if you got in telecharge and you were looking at the tickets and then you refreshed the page you got to bypass the queue to just be in there so i immediately got tickets within like five minutes no it was fine i think i got i had good karma from Mm -hmm. suffering through two days of taylor swift ticket buying nightmare but i'm going to see taylor you and karma vibe like that exactly i'm going to see taylor swift and i'm going to see the phantom the last day that the fans get to go and then i'm also going on the 35th anniversary so it's all happening it's all happening oh and we have moulin rouge corner Kristen, my favorite musical. We've actually been lying to you this whole time. Our favorite musical is Moulin Rouge. This is this is all a front. We don't even like Vantum that much. Um, but no, we did stand it. get large cups of Prosecco and see Moulin Rouge. Cannot recommend that activity enough. It's it, it incredible. Just, the absolute briefest summary of my Moulin Rouge journey was like, I saw it in the theaters when it came out. I don't know. I tend not to pay too much attention to the movie musicals that like go on Broadway unless someone tells me this is really, really good. You um you did not say it was good, but you went no. to see it with with uh the, the youth. School. Yeah. We we have a program where like Broadway will like partner with us and we get to take the kids to shows for like ten dollars, which is like amazing. Like I work at a, a low income school. Um I saw Aaron Tivate and uh I think I saw the current cast, really. Ashley Love Aaron Tivate, Ashley, Lauren. But it was just it's a lot. We've got grown men singing Lord's Royals. And that was really what did it for me, because I routinely just simply am not able to sleep. So it's like two in the morning, three in the morning here one day, and I just give up. And I'm like, I I caught up on your voicemails, but then I was like, well, I don't know. Let me go listen to this. Truly cackling aloud, delirious from exhaustion in the darkness of the early morning at the songs that I began to hear, because the songs that are in the movie of Moulin Rouge more or less established hits, I would say. Yeah. The thing I absolutely adore about the Broadway musical Moulin Rouge is someone heard the song Shut Up and Dance With Me and said, this is a hit for the ages. Let's yeah, that will never not be a popular song. Yeah. The whole cast is super, super talented. People complain a lot about things like this. And while I would not say that it was good in terms of, did it make sense? 
is anyone in the show empathetic? Eh. The audience. <laughs> okay, okay. So I listened to it. I was screaming and like sending you frantic updates about why is this song in there? And I be I began to just listen to it because it's so funny. It is so funny. Grown men, crisp, crisp harmonies on the song Royals by Lord. Moulin Rouge wormed its way into my brain and into my heart because then when I visited in July, you were like, we got to go see it. And I was like, you're, you're absolutely right. We did. We got those big ass containers of Prosecco. Maybe it's real theater to you. Maybe it's not. That audience was there to have a great time. Every single time they play a song, everyone goes, ha ha. And like, a, I know this song. And it's crazy. Like, what a way to run a musical. And the craziest one of all is <laughs> crazy rolling. <laughs> the mashups are so cursed. The thing is, it looks amazing. The cast is incredible. This sounds like the shadiest way to recommend a thing imaginable. It's bizarre. Go to it. This cast is so good. And I'm so I would go see it just for Aaron. How do you pronounce it? Tevate? Tevate. Tevate has. Just for him. That's what the the Broadway news is, is that Aaron Tevate is coming on for like 12 weeks or whatever. I'm trying to get Ellie to come into the city. She's she's our local Tevate head friend. I'm going to see Mulan Rouge possibly two times in the next three months. So Absolutely. And then a man that has the energy of someone's dad gets on like a ladder and sings Chandelier by Sia. He's singing it with the energy that they said Christine Dye sang at the gala performance. And I think that's beautiful. And that's a beautiful transition. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's get into <laughs> chapter six of the Phantom of the Opera, the magic violin, which already the energy here. All right. Um, we had to pause because I almost burned my apartment down. Just great stuff. It's what Rick would want. But yeah, as we, as we were kind of talking about, we're only doing the one chapter this week because it was, we joke about a rich text, but this was a rich, a rich text. This is a rich text. This is great. So chapter six is called The Magic Violin Ever Heard of It. <laughs> so we get back into Christine. She crushed it at the gala. She is, you know, she was that girl, as we heard a couple chapters ago. And then she gives a couple, like, other, she starts getting some opportunities, mm -hmm. obviously. So, like, people are like, wow, you're really good. Do you want to sing at my party? The Duchess of Zurich is like, come to my house and uh, sing. So she performs at a couple private parties. She's doing that whole gig. The critics are like, when one hears her sing in Hamlet, one wonders if Shakespeare himself had not come down from the fields of Elysium to direct her as Ophelia. It is undeniable that when she puts on the crown of stars of the Queen of the Night, Mozart surely feels compelled to return from his eternal abode to hear her. But he need not go to the trouble for the clear, thrilling voice of the magical performer of the magic flute rises up to him in the heights of Empyrean, which she scales with ease in precisely the same way as that she effortlessly rose from her humble cottage in the village of Scotloaf to the palace of gold and marble that is Mr. Garnier's opera house. I, so that none of that is in text. Okay, I guess. What? Lost in translation, <laughs> simply going to be sprinkled throughout. But Jeez. text cuts out what has been said about her. Also, it, yes, it notes <laughs> that among her selections are Ophelia and Queen of the Night in the Magic Flute, which I've just thought, like as a character, most versions of Christine seem like they would not require 
maybe a lot of method work to be a great Ophelia. And then Queen of the Night, what a fun, fun role. Like if you haven't seen it, anyone out there, watch that scene from Amadeus where they're doing the magic flute or just watch Amadeus. But imagine, and I'm like, oh, would Eric ever let her sing something like that? Because the Queen of the Night, not a good character, like she's evil. Imagine my surprise when the track list of Christine Dye sings a hit in my head is, ooh, it's in the book. It's canon. Tex just said, we don't need all that. I would beg to differ, but... I also, I truly hate that it says, when one hears her sing in Hamlet, one wonders if Shakespeare himself had not come down to direct her as Ophelia. I am begging these people, do not tell Eric that he is Shakespeare reincarnated because we will never hear the end of it. Why would you do this? Why would you say this? You know this man has this review, like, taped up on his like cinder block walls down there and he's like christine did you see what they said about me and she's like okay um okay so then so she crushes it she absolutely is crushing it and then she stops giving no plausible reason she withdraws from a charity gala i mean whom among us have not given a reason to show up to an event but it seems like it's a little bit more suspicious yeah people are very surprised It says she behaved as though she were no longer in control of her destiny, as if she feared a repeat of her triumph. She is suffering from success. Which it's funny to me that some people are saying, oh, it's just because she's really modest. Gaston LaRose like, nope, actors are simply not that modest, but she doesn't know herself when she sings. Yeah, I truly believe Christine Dia was frightened of what had happened to her and was stunned as everywhere else. And she's like, I'm terrified. I don't know who I am when I sing, which is poor thing. And Coward adds on poor, pure, sweet Christine, which her purity is really getting emphasized here. And like text even takes some of that out. Coward puts back in the insistence, poor, pure, sweet Christine. It just had an energy about it to me. (laughs) So like Raul's, Raul's back on the scene. He's trying to get her to, like, do more gigs, and so, like, he's he's calling in his nepotism favors, which we already know she doesn't need his nepotism well, he's, favors. He's making like, his brother do it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, can you write a check and, like, you know, make her the new Ophelia and stuff like that? And she's like, please, I don't want any more gigs. I can't keep doing this. I'm freaking she out. She says, please stop um, interceding on her behalf. Nice right. of Fleet yeah, to go she's along like, You're, with it, though. Yeah, Philippe is like, look, he's never liked a girl before. I'm just gonna, (laughs) I will encourage him as much. I will drive him to the movie theater for the date. If it gets him laid, please, I'm begging. I don't actually think that's that far off from Philippe's energy. He's like, I'll take Sorelli. Sorelli and I are gonna go see the R-rated movie. I'm gonna drop Raul and Christine off at the Minions and hopefully... He gets to, like, graze a leg over Jean. I was going to say Herbie fully loaded, so we're, like, we're very much on the Mm. same page there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, please stop. Uh, Also, I'm free on Thursday. When you're free on Thursday, I will be at the graveyard on Thursday. I'll see you on Thursday. Yes. Christine (laughs) Daae, she can write a letter. So she's saying, you know, I do remember the little boy from all those years ago. She's going to the place where they spent time together to put some flowers on his grave, do a prayer. But, and this jumped out at me, Papa is buried with the violin. The violin. Let's be super clear on this, says Gaston. It is in the casket. Jot that down. 
the Marleys were dead to begin with. And we are actually Rizzo and Gonzo when we say we're Gaston Leroux. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Also, we get confirmed Raul is a train boy because uh, he's got the real he's got the train schedule on his person. And he's like, we got to go. Gets in a cab. Flees. Uh, jumps onto the station. He is just like us. He missed the train. Yeah, and I do like the way Tex says, just in time to miss the morning train. I I only run for trains. I don't think I've ever been on time for a train in my life. And he, he it's, understands It's truly that. a nightmare. Yeah, and yeah. then spends the day feeling sorry for himself. Relatable. Yep, and then he's like, all right, let's try this again. <laughs> and so then he tries it again. He gets on the train. And as he's on the train, he thinks about uh, restless dreams that began and ended with Christine Daae. Text does not tell us Raul is absolutely thrilled to hear Christine made the trip alone because he'd be able to talk to her without interference. Bestie, I don't know about all that. He he walked so Anthony from Sweeney Todd could run because it says this fine young man who had sailed around the world was as innocent as the pure boy who never strayed far from his mother's apron strings. Exactly. Okay, this version says his love for her almost took his breath away. And spoiler, he's either going to get over or has gotten over. I can't marry you because we live in a society. So then the screen ripples. Mm. We get a flashback. Once upon a time, uh, famously a great show. <laughs> In a oh small town not far from Uppsala, which is in Sweden. So the Dias are like this peasant family. Gustav, well, we know him as Gustav. Uh, I, he is a peasant. He lived with his family. He's tilling the land during the week, and he's singing bass in the church choir on Sundays. He's Patrick Page. He, this man, is a, he's got the bass. Howard has mom dying when Christine is five versus six in the other version, but he also says mm. the mother was not strong. A weak constitution. Maybe if she had been taken to the sea. Yeah, why didn't they take her to the sea? That's the only healthcare they have. And that's how I know where Uppsala is because I googled it to see if it was near the sea to see if I could make that, you know, weak joke or not. Mm. It's not by the sea. Should have taken her to the <laughs> sea. And okay, Papa Daye is not named in this. His Oh, really? Where did the name Gustav Daye come from? I don't even think it came from Andrew Lloyd. Wait, did it come from the movie? I'll freak out. Oh, no. It is the 2004 <gasps> movie version of Phantom of the Opera. That is why people <gasps> be thinking his, that Christine's father's oh, name no. is Gustav, when maybe it was like Brian. Oh, God. His name was Brian. <laughs> yeah. Brian Daae. Okay, it says, in the this is Wikipedia Corner. In the novel, in the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, we never learned Christine Father's first name. In the novel, he is referred to as Daddy Dying. Uh, Incredible. By text. In the 2004... <laughs> what a text. In the 2004 movie, he's called Gustav, and in Sarah Brightman's music video version of Wishing, you are somehow here again. His name is Charles. I, I think Gustav is kind of confirmed by Love Never Dies calling... Christine's son, Gustav. Wow, what a nightmare that we just went through. I feel so upset. <laughs> that sucks. Okay, well, I'm not going to call him Gustav then. The long way to say that. Uh, Daddy Daye, Patrick Page. Yeah, his name is Patrick Page Daye. Mm -hmm. um, for the n people who are not Hades townheads, Patrick Page plays Hades in Hades Town, and he has the lowest voice you've ever heard, and it is incredible. He's great. He's wonderful. Can't recommend <clears throat> it enough. Um, I liked this part. 
Before Christine could even read books, he had taught her to read music. I also just love he makes it very clear like she knows her like music shit like she's not like I mean I don't want to say like just a singer but like she's like a musician in like multiple uh multiple like mediums which is really cool I feel like we don't get that in like the musical no like she it's almost like she's coming in blind despite the fact that this novel and to be fair Kay have her going to you know Juilliard but um right yeah, she wasn't going in blind at all. Like she she's definitely like a scholarship kid, but she had the the chops to like be that scholarship kid, which is really yeah. cute, really But great. I mean, everyone is so into Gustav Brian Patrick Page Daddy Dies music that but he doesn't know how good he is. You don't know you're oh. beautiful, says Harry Styles. <laughs> to Daddy Die. That's a song about Yeah. Christine Dye's dad. Um yeah, so he he plays at weddings. He plays at festive occasions Mm -hmm. and they say he's like the best. And then so then he does what Taylor Swift famously did to her family, uproots them to find fame and fortune in Nashville, Tennessee, a.k.a. Uppsala, Sweden. Uh, It doesn't work out. Does not work out. So then he's like he's going like town to town. Christine's singing. It's adorable. I also did want to point out just like a quick story corner. I did relate to this page of the book because just like Daddy Daye left to try to make his fortune and fame, uh, my father also tried to make his fortune and fame by having a Credence Clearwater Revival cover band in the 80s. So that's incredible. I'm Christine Daye. Yeah, they used to sing like spoof songs of Credence songs. It didn't take off. But that is amazing. And I'm blessed to know. um okay so then he's he's singing she's super cute of course people are like look at the you know this is the act that like people are coming to see they'd be so viral nowadays yeah oh my god this is the tiktok of the like the frozen family in the car remember those people (laughs) only these (laughs) they got canceled didn't they i think so but no they're the yodeling kid because people i think like that kid yes yes or this is like the corn she's singing about corn yep I mean, she probably is. We don't know. but We don't know. Um, and so they meet Professor Valerius, who's like, oh, my God, Gustav, or nope, not Gustav, Patrick Page, you're the most gifted fiddler in the world, and your daughter has the potential to be a great singer. I'll pay for her to go to school. And everyone's just like, she's so cute. And like, the eagerness to speak the truth and do what is right. She's, she's Anne Shirley, except for people like her. Yes. She's a good person. She's a very good. Yeah, she's like really good. She's a good soul. Uh, she's crushing it at school. And so they're like, the Valerius's have to, the the family Valerius has to move to France. And they're like, just come with us. Getting a weird energy from them. But okay, that's really nice. But also that's crazy. So they move to France. Uh, Christine gets kind of a new mom. Daddy misses his homeland. He begun, begins to waste away. He's not going to the clubs. He's not prospering. Uh, he lived in a dream, which he nourished with his violin. He would shut himself away with his daughter for hours at a time, and they could be heard playing and singing softly, very softly. Madame Valerius would come and listen through the doors. She would sigh, wipe a tear from her eye, and come away on tiptoe, for she too was homesick for her wide Scandinavian skies. Right. And then he goes to the sea. So, Okay. They have the money to take him to the sea. And then I think the Valerius have to go back for like the semester because he's like a professor. 
and they let them stay. Yeah, but it's there's some phrasing like he was allowed to take his daughter for one week. Okay, why are you managing this man's custody? But all right, Carrot, it was for me that this is where the daddy and gays discourse started, which, okay, I'm giving it time. Who can say if we will keep this in famously in the musical? It's famous to me. The Phantom says, too long you've wandered in winter, far from my far-reaching gaze. Some man at some point changed that to fathering gaze. The man pretends to be her dad. Or be her dad from her dad. Who's to say? But so, and someone, I can't even remember who, but someone started, someone I found on Phantom Dark Web started referring to fathering gaze as the daddying gaze, which I just sends me every time so it's like calling him rick it's nonsense it's full of nonsense but freud we know that freud has his issues but i was reading this whole section where it was like he lives in a dream only nourished by music and i'm just like sir like this woman when she's with eric like this is the part where like you realize you're like accidentally dating someone who's basically your parent various versions do be leaning into this in different degrees but okay so the daddy and gays went real hard here gustav damn it brian die apparently doesn't know how good he is as a musician and yet he goes to the beach each summer he's doing a one-man bonnaroo like he's playing his most bummer like elliot smith radiohead but the sad he's giving you bigger than the whole sky daddy dies version he would often do this it says and the waves fell claim the waves fell silent to listen in this moment for me the eric jumped out this is a rick behavior i'm playing depressing music and the sea is stopping to listen to me like you know who this man is he is i'm trying to think like if if rick is like tom york era like this man is an is like an art bro but from like the 60s yes brian wilson oh yeah he contains multitude i mean when i this time when i read the part about them being locked up for hours in his room playing the sad hits and singing together like to me it is it's beautiful and sad and i am bringing in an almost famous quote if you ever get lonely go to the record store and visit your friends just thinking about how music as a comfort and a solace has always been you know in those days they had to be their own record store but that to me it's very it's very sweet and sad and then when we get to their little summer vacay trips like it says they refuse money and the offer of a place to stay they're sleeping in barns close together on the straw like they used to when they were poor in sweden is just a Mm. concept that gives some people pause you know i know people who enjoy camping it couldn't be me but apparently it's them I've heard, yeah, yeah. I've heard people enjoy camping. Again, I couldn't yeah, be honest. And I'm so little here. I'm reading a lot into it, but they're having a good time, and they don't, they don't owe anyone anything at this time. And his health is restored. I mean, probably by yes, the incredible power of the sea. But I'm just thinking about how sick he is during the year, apparently, and how much they owe, like in terms of being housed and stuff, like to Professor Valerius and Mama Valerius in one sense. So I kind of see these little trips where he's again allowed to take his daughter for one week as maybe he has we were poor but we were free energy. I have here people are following them from town to town on these little vacays. Like the people are into it. This man, he's just, you know, he's at the coffee shop, you know, setting up in the corner, tapping the mic as this thing on. Okay, don't at me. I I can't wait to talk about Raul. We're getting to it. I know. 
I saw like there's like a Tumblr post or something that's like you can interpret family opera as like a regular person meeting theater people for the first time. Oh my gosh. And the regular person is Raul, which is really funny. But LaRoe says, you thought. He shows up. It's so cute. A little boy who was out with his governess made her extend their walk, for he could not bear to stay far from the little girl whose sweet, pure voice had made him her slave. Okay. Uh, Dramatique. I don't know about that, but yeah. And so he's just like a little guy, and he has his nanny, and like she's singing, and her scarf goes into the sea, and she's sad. And he's, like, running, ignoring the warnings and indignant protests of a respectable lady dressed from head to foot in black, sprinted straight into the sea, fully clothed, and brought her back her scarf. Right. Um, (laughs) And I think we need to have an appreciation for how cold that water was. Would you say that that water would be so cold that it would feel like a thousand knives? Ever been to Wisconsin in the winter? What is the... Raul? Did Raul jump in the sea so jack dawson could claim he would jump in the sea like we don't know yes it is incredible so yeah so they like become friends she gave him a little kiss when he returned it back to her that's cute it's so cute and bro the lessons and so the lessons so they become best friends and daddy daya is like i'm gonna give raul violin lessons so that's how they're able to like see each other which is really seething cute. to learn of this, I am sure. I'm sure. In this way, Raoul learned to love the melodies which had made Christine's childhood so magical. Yeah. And like, I feel like people are always like, oh, Christine, like always head in the clouds, like da 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 da. But she's just like, I don't know. And it says like, they were dreamy. They loved hearing stories and like old legends. And they would like, run around this, the like town asking for stories from like all the old like, village oh they invented the midnight club actually so yeah fifth grade christine and raul so they're running around they're asking for stories it's so cute christine's like oh yeah i see elves and goblins all the time which again we're laying the groundwork for rick to just walk into this poor woman's life but also (laughs) relatable girl relatable we get it and then he tells them dark stories of the north we hear about hans christian anderson ever heard of him He's quite the storyteller, is Gustav Brian Patrick Page Daae. Yeah, he seems like a real... It seems like he's kind of a larger-than-life character, and it's it's interesting to me that I think, you know, he's such a big presence for regular people. Like, oh yeah, like, this man is a huge presence, I'm sure. And then for Christine, it's, like, probably even bigger. So there's this huge vacuum when he when he dies. And unfortunately, we know who walks in. What a whiplash for her, though. Like, it just sounds like he gets progressively, like, he's just, he's very depressed in France. And it's like, imagine your parent only truly comes to life in this way once a year. And he's just sad the rest of the year, which I'm not, I'm not blaming him for being sad. Just interesting. So they talk about his stories here. Little Lottie. That passage is really Mm. neat to read or listen to in the Dematos because the phrases lifted directly from it to the musical are just very fun, I think, to hear. And I mean, like, like, yes, obviously it it adheres quite closely to it in some parts, but it's not always a, oh, this actual phrase exactly like this is in both work situations. So that passage in particular is a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't realize a lot of this is like the lyrics are really lifted from like when this when this story and the musical combine, it's like very, very similar. I think this scene 
I mean, in the in the musical, it happens in a dressing room. In this, it's just kind of happening in Raoul's memory. But this this is the scene, one of the scenes that I think adheres the most closely to like the the energy of the original story, perhaps. Yeah. So we learn about the Angel of Music, and we learn about Little Lottie, which is this character that is like obviously Christine or whatever. And then she would hear the voice of the Angel of Music, and th- this like Angel of Music character always shows up. And they would just ask him to repeat what the what's the lore about this guy. He always shows up in the stories. And so he's like, all great musicians, all great singers are visited by the angel of music at least once in their lives. Sometimes he leans over their cradles as what happened to little Lottie, which is why there are child prodigies of six who play the violin better than grown men of 50. In other cases, <laughs> angels appear much later because children won't practice their scales which is hilarious when he's asked by christine has he been visited by the angel of music he says no papadaya says no yeah but then also he's like you'll you'll get your visit when i'm in heaven i'll pull some strings and i'll send him down to you (sighs) and then mr daye is part of the alec baldwin school of foreshadowing your own death he coughs blood into a handkerchief and hastily stows it, is it away around this time that he starts coughing ominously yes yes and so then um the angel of music bit makes more sense to me because i feel like it's kind of clarified like he's not it's not a literal angel it's like music as an idea will save you when you need it most and so like in a way like yes eric showing up and being the angel of music and like kind of pretending to be like a literal angel is like one thing, but it also makes sense like if Christine was just like, well, like this is this guy's my music teacher, but like I needed music. This was a time when I needed music to kind of save me. I don't know that kind of I some people like get very like, oh, what an idiot that she like thinks a literal angel has come down from the sky. Yeah, we'll get to it. I think it. in some ways, yeah, yeah, we'll get into it, but I just think it was like, I don't know. This this passage made me think that Laroe kind of clarifies like music is like when I'm, you know, when I'm in heaven, like music is going to help you. Like music is going to be a comfort right. to you. And that's what the angel of music is. It's like more of an idea than like a guy in a crazy mask who's going to. Oh, I have thoughts. Papa Daye in heaven, absolutely seething at what this man simply refusing to court his daughter in any respectable way which does he have his reasons yeah but um (laughs) like rick crazy for that rick very wrong to abuse this sweet belief that her father gave her for your nefarious chaotic and horny means but you know i love that so then they go home it's the fall she's got to go back to school he's probably got to go back to i don't know noble boy school they see each other again three years later. Howard lets you know that um, they are adolescents, the teen energy, the hormones. They are teens. Yeah, it's this is about to get rowdy. Um, <laughs> Professor Valerius has died. Mama Valerius stays and like continues to take care of the dyes. Yeah. She's loving it. She's just getting like she's got her Spotify playlist going at all times, and that Spotify playlist is Daddy Dye playing. The yeah, violin. he's wasting away, but that's fine. But. <laughs> He's like, oh my god, of course I remember you, Raul. So, like, Raul goes back to Peros to say, like, hi. The episode, Coward Lets Us Know, made a strong impression on Raul, which stayed with him for the rest of his life. Tex says this is not relevant. Okay, the way way he rolled up, like, in case they happened to be there, 
one thing Raul is going to do is go all the way out of the way to some place and then act like he just was, you know, passing through. <laughs> yeah, he's here to like find them. And then Daddy Daya, never to miss a shot, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. He goes, in fact, hardly a day had gone by when Christine had not mentioned you in three years. And then I also like that they like clarify, like, so Raul like kisses her on the cheek. She does not try to evade his embrace. Like she's kind of she's like intrigued. Yes. Um, they go out on the on the garden giving Pride and Prejudice. Papa Papa Dai just watching these two goofballs absolutely just blush and stare at each other. Like she fled to the garden. And so then Raul Raul kisses her hand, trembling hand, and says, "I shall never forget you," and just runs away. <laughs> well, he walks away, but you know. And then he walked away, already regretting his boldness, for he knew that Christine Daae could never be the wife of the Viscount de Chagny. Mm. Okay, so we talk about how Rick is a menace. This is a menace that Raoul did upon her here. Yeah, I know. Imagine you're 14 years old. Yeah, she was shaken, Coward says. Shooketh. Let's see, let's see. She says, do you think Raoul isn't as nice as he used to be? I don't like him anymore. All bangers. And that's exactly it. That is not in the the version that most people read do you what? know how turned up you need to be to go vent to your father about your crush like about a boy yeah this man's like she's I'm so, so real for that like so Leroux Christine's my favorite Christine like no matter the translation but it's just the little moments like this it's like you know what I'm gonna tell my dad that I don't even like him and that'll make it true like hedge of hedge it's of incredible fraction. and then it says she was taking refuge in her art, which took up all her time. I mean, whom among us hasn't like? She's on Deviant Art. She's on Archive. She's on Fanfiction. Who's to say she's, she's not writing Red right now because of how upset this brief moment in time with Raúl made her? She's exactly. Distraught. It wasn't easy, but she managed it. The coward says, like, so David oh Coward God. has like met a teen girl, like. Tex doesn't deal with all that. He's probably afraid of them. He's just not giving us these. Yeah, he's like, ew. Christine is a very sweet, emotional girl. Protect her at all costs. She wrote 10 minute all too well. And then like the saddest thing. So it says like her. So then her dad, her father dies. And it seems she seems to have lost her voice, her soul and her genius. But she like was able to scrape together like a shitty audition to get into the conservatory. And then just like gets 85s in all her classes i'm just like she's just like me for she's real just, like what an angel she's just a little ocean cow she's just going through the movements you know she's getting like b pluses a minuses but like her professors are like really mad that she's not like not living up to her full potential yeah yeah she has a lot of office hour meetings where they're like it says your dad is like the best violinist why aren't you living up to your potential and she's just like shut up think about how good you have to be to be visibly phoning it in and you still not only don't get kicked out of Tisch School of the Arts but get hired to work at the Paris Opera ahead of a lot of people who yeah. you know, presumably actually want to be there and take joy in their work whereas she's just like hit repeat on that Fleetwood Mac again you know she's vibing in the sad way exactly there's like a lot of potential so that means that that means either like Rick was like if I could fix that part She's going to be really he's good. I can fix her. <laughs> yeah. Or he like, I mean, did he really do that much? He just kind of was like, like she already had all the tools and she already was really good. She was just sad. Exactly. Not to underplay what Rick does, but I will be underplaying what Rick does. You know, like, come on. 
Uh, so then he sees, so Raoul's like, wow, she's so hot. Raoul does not pick up on uh, how sad she is. Yeah, so it's... Oh, wait, well, no, he does. This passage was kidding. confusing But I'm me. like... So he, it says yeah. he, he saw her again at the opera, and I'm, the text says something about he was rather surprised at the negative side of her art, which to me had meant all this time I was out here thinking Raoul's mad because she's wearing sexy costumes in the play. No. So Coward clarifies that... She seemed detached. She seemed detached. And Raul doesn't like that. He's an onion headline. Like, area man tells local woman to smile. So um, it's really hard for Raul to see that Christine's just, like, kind of out of it and seems bum. I, yeah. Some people who hate Raul, like, hate Raul for, like, they, like, take little moments like this and go crazy. But it is, it's just, like, I mean, he's a oh, teen yeah. boy. You know, he's not, like, a terrible no. person for that. But he's just kind of like, oh, this is, like different but like i'm not gonna necessarily change my like dog golden retriever like behavior for this well i mean i bet it does make sense though because presumably even though she was very nervous last time she saw him like this is his friend like they always had fun together she's always been a weirdo Mm -hmm. and spacey but like in a fun way and I, i guess now he's just like is she okay what are we you know yeah so then raul starts spiraling um he he is just like us for real uh and so he's like wow i'm in love i love her so much but then there was that guy and then she laughed at him when i introduced myself why hadn't she recognized him why had she written the note that she was free on thursday when she was free on thursday and so he's just like on the train he's freaking out and he's like oh man like here we are in paros she's at this that the holiday inn the okay it, the other one doesn't say is, but Coward says it's the only in there. So first of all, which I love that it just contributes a lot to me for the vibe of this extremely small place. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to go find Christine. And it takes him five seconds because there's one Holiday Inn Express and that's where she is. And so the landlady shows up and he's like, <laughs> he again tries to claim uh, that he, was he like <laughs> comes up with this whole story. He's like, I was in the neighborhood and uh, I have businesses, business. The business. Thank is you, Gaston Leroux and David Coward, for letting us know that this man is—it's really—it's not smooth at this time. And then when Christine oh walks God. in, it is literally that part in 2005 *Pride and Prejudice* where Darcy walks into the Collins's house, and then it just shakes <laughs> cam zooms into his face, and they're just like, "Uh," like that's the energy. So he freaks out. He jumps up to stand. He's like, "She looks incredibly hot." Uh, pink like a strawberry. Oh, I took a note on that, inspired by you. Her bosom, which concealed an honest heart, swelled gently. So it's like she breasted boobily, but not in a slatternly way. Like, thank you for that. (laughs) Yep, I wrote she breasted boobily. I also said Raul getting off a six-hour train. I was just in the neighborhood. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. Uh, the slender figure and harmonious lines of her graceful young body. Regulation hottie. I just think it's also really funny that, like, this girl is, like, in, like, year, you know, two or three of mourning her father. And she's so depressed all the time. And, like, Raul's like, body's banging, though. And it's like, she's... Like, oh yeah come on man like, also she's just the she's in a seems hoodie. surprised that she's bummed out because in the musical it seems like he doesn't know that until she tells him in the dressing room he knows her father's past i wonder um, why she could be sad bud someone told me you were here she she got like a you know a ring doorbell <laughs> alert that was like oh i was told that you were here and he's like who told I- you and she's like my dead dad and then he does not miss a beat he goes 
well, did your your dead father also tell you that I love you, Christine, and I can't live without you? My guy. Christine, get, people get on Christine about what a dingbat she is because she heard a vo- thought the voice in the walls was an angel. I just watched Field of Dreams. He built a ghost baseball field. If you all don't leave Christine Daae alone. But also, my father said that you would be here is a lot weirder of a thing for her to say than my father sent me the angel of music. She could have said, I just had a sense that you would be here. That's not what she said. No, she clarifies. A guy who is my dad. Did your dad tell you that I, and then he proceeded to recite the text that Adam Levine sent those women? (laughs) It's incredible. It's so funny. Uh, Christine is like, Laughing to hide her confusion. She just got back from church and here's, uh, imagine the energy that he has when she walks in the room. The manic energy of Raul in this No, he's like, we've got 25 minutes to get to the, like, wedding chapel at Las Vegas. Like, let's wrap this shit up. And he's like, she's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, don't laugh. I'm serious. And she's like, I didn't make you come here so you could say such things. And then he goes, but you did make me come, Christine. You guessed what effect your letter would have. You knew I would come to Paros. Why would you... Write it if you didn't think I loved you. Okay. Well, I, I was going to say, they both acknowledge her skills as a letter writer. You made me come, and what about it? Um, but, okay. Who can say what the actual French is, but this is a little heartbreaking. Like, the way you suddenly re- reappeared in my dressing room that night took me back to the old days a long time ago. It was the little girl I was then who wrote. She was feeling sad and lonely and wanted to see her little friend again. But hedge of protection around Christine Daae. I feel like he responds really cool and good at this part. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, she's just like, I'm sorry, I wanted to like see you. And he's like, Why wouldn't you have written that note if you wasn't you weren't DTF? It's noted that he's speaking to her the way someone would speak to their wife or their mistress who misbehaves. So basically I took yes. that as it's like this man is talking to her like she's his property at this time and what Yeah. And he's too familiar. Like like, yes, they were, like, friends in when they were 14, but, like, I don't know. Like, you don't – ultimately, you don't know me. And I think that that's, like – I mean, you don't see that that much in, like, this time period, I feel like, of just, like, you you don't know what you're talking about. Gaston, for every she-breasted boobily that he's going to give us, and he does give us a lot, he also gives us, listen, though, I know how men act, because Raul simply sees no – like, he knows he's acting wild. It's It's all he can think of to do. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, man, I went a little too far here because Christine's just staring at him. As she should. And then he's like, well, I'll answer for you. It was because there was someone else in your dressing room and you felt awkward because you didn't want that someone to find out that you could care for anyone else but him. And she's like, if anyone made me feel awkward, Raul, if anyone made me feel awkward, it was you because you're the one I told to leave. Iconic. If anyone was in the way, it was you. Oh my, I love her. I love her. And then he's like, yeah, so you could be alone with that other man. And then she delivers my favorite line of to say to people, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yes, yes. She goes, what are you talking about? And he goes, the man you spoke to, you said I sing only for you. Tonight I gave you my soul and I am dead. And then she grabs him and goes, I'm sorry, you were listening behind the door? And he goes, yeah, because I love you. (laughs) And she's like, what did you hear? And he's like, he said you must love me and then she like almost passes out and she's like i'm sorry i'm gonna need you to tell me everything you heard and he repeats it and she's like okay all right and then she starts crying 
and then they yell each other's names and she goes up to her room and doesn't come down the full gravity of how shaken out of her being she is like just didn't hit me until this time for whatever reason she was like what do you mean you heard it i am aware that i am a dizzy broad i thought that shit was in my head what are you saying you heard it she she literally has to just like She's just in her room, like, staring at the wall, like, oh, no, what is happening? She realizes, yeah, she's like, if he, this random can hear it, oh, no. That's also really funny, because, like, I wonder if she's just like, oh, this wasn't in my head the whole time. Everyone could hear this man. <laughs> I wonder that, oh, man, that's fanfic. And Coward is going to remind us again that she's pure. Are you getting this? She's pure. But I mean... I He's not necessarily talking just about chastity, although he is, but it like it did not occur to this poor girl that someone could be uh telling lies, bending the truth. Like like she really thought it was a voice in her head. And Raoul's has no idea. Um, isn't it isn't Why? it Buck Wild that he yelled at her and stressed her out and now she doesn't want to hang with him? Like yeah, he's who can like, That's say weird. why this vacation is a <laughs> no, flop role? Who can say why you're not having a good time now? Right. And so he's just like, he's not eating, she's not eating. <laughs> They're on opposite ends of the hotel, which is like a two-room hotel. But they are in opposite the ends of The hotel owner is like, you two are the biggest clowns I ever saw. I love her energy. Then we have a little like, uh, unfortunately, Raul, a little hiking boyfriend energy. He's like, why aren't we hiking? We could have been hiking this whole time and re reminiscing, but she's like, absolutely not. And then she orders a mass to be said that morning for her father. And so she's just praying, which is like, I always love to see a woman avoiding men by being like, I'm mm -hmm. praying. I'm actually in, in church, so I can't possibly. We see it with Anne Boleyn. We see it with. She, she's going through it. Yeah. It seems like almost she was kind of like, who can I like, like, I don't want to do this by myself. But I don't really have any friends. <laughs> I guess Raul, like, Raul could be like, you know, we could get, like, breakfast in the morning and that would be nice. And he, like, knew my dad. She says several times, my dad was incredibly fond of you. Like, this was a person that was special to her father, which, that's a short list of people. I feel like you, like, kind of take stock of, like, people who knew your parents. Like, I feel like, you know, you reminisce on that. So anyway, so she's, so he's in the graveyard. He's describing the graveyard. You know, there's beautiful roses. They were marvelous red roses that had blossomed in the morning in the snow, giving a glimpse of life among the dead, for death was all around him. I just really, really liked that. It just flowed very nicely. Uh, Raul's just sitting in the icy, cold darkness, thinking about his girl, and then she materializes. Like, this is a good book. This is great. <laughs> it's great. There's just like a load of skulls. Uh, don't think that will ever come back to haunt us later in this Certainly chapter. Certainly not Chekhov's skull pile. <laughs> Yeah, check off skulls. And they're like not really held up. I know exactly what they're talking about. I feel like I saw some stuff. When I was in Dublin, I was in I saw a crypt. Uh he says a prayer for Mr. Daye. He's creeped out by skulls, not foreshadowing. He's walking around. It's chilly. He's really stressed out. He's reminiscing. He's re he's recalling how like Christine always was like, Oh, there's like yeah, I see hundreds of goblins, but like she's nearsighted. Do you get the feeling that Christine pretended she saw goblins 
a couple years after it would have she's outgrown it but she's still clinging on to it a little bit a child for sure like you could still well and then so then she shows up right next to him and he's like oh (laughs) and she's like do you think there'll be goblins tonight and he's like what the hell and then she gets really like intense really fast with you know and she's like real quick do you remember the angel of music and he's like what the fuck and she's like no i need you to tell this like remember how that whole thing happened she's like the angel of music i've been visited by and he's like okay and he's like yeah for sure like he's actually he's doing his best in that part he's like no i've never heard anyone sing the way that she sang i would absolutely believe that that was a heaven-sent moment like god might have gave her something extra right then he's like i'm kind of following you yeah Yeah. he's like sure figuratively absolutely and she goes no absolutely not and he's like is she going to smooch me and it's like no my guy (laughs) don't shoot your shot she's like grabbing onto him like desperately peering into his eyes in a way that must be absolutely bone chilling and he's like is she gonna kiss me i love i love everyone here i'm sorry it's so funny so he's like yeah like i mean like the idea of like you know being visited and she's like no he comes to my dressing room from 3 to 4 p.m he has office and he's like "Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah And he's like, uh, and then he looks at the camera like he's in the office. It says, Rao glanced at her anxiously, the way you might look at someone who has just done something outrageous or claimed to have seen some crazy vision, but she had drawn away and now she's just in the dark. And he's like, uh, excuse me? And she's like, yeah, well, you've heard him. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, it's that guy. Baby girl. And so he starts laughing because, Yeah, she says, oh, you think... I suppose you think you heard a man's voice and Raul starts laughing and it's like, bestie, he did hear a man's voice. That is what happened. And what I love about this scene is that given what we know and will know, the way they're both acting is completely understandable, but they simply are not on the same page with their own information yet. So not even close. And so she says, again, I'm an honest woman and I am not in my dressing room with men. And then she's like, when you, when you went in there, there was nobody there, right? And he's like, yeah, dude, someone's playing a trick on you. And she's like, shut the fuck up and runs away. This was my last, lost in translation, coward. I'm an honest woman, Viscount, and I am not in the habit of closeting myself in my dressing room with men's voices. Great, amazing, love it, text. I am an honest girl, Monsieur le Vicomte de Chani, and I don't lock myself up in my dressing room with men's voices. He gives her a real spice at times. Uh, well, and then she, she, she said, she did walk into this. She said, well, if you had opened the door, you would have seen. And he's like, bet, because he did open the door. Yeah. And she, he's like, that doesn't prove anything. Like, just because I didn't see the guy. Like, that was a guy. And so she leaves. Leaves dramatically once again. The Holiday Inn Express concierge is like, Jesus Christ, like, what's going on with these teens? Exactly. And and she's like, why are they wasting time when the Lord only gave us so much time to she enjoy She sounds ourselves? like a Gen Xer on Twitter. It's clown behavior from both of them, in her opinion. She's like, you spent all this money on this holiday. And you Express, came all like, the way out here to act miserable separately, idiots. Exactly. I feel like that's, I put her on White Lotus. Yes. So Rao's eating. He, he's like, oh, that's weird. I don't hear anything. 
It said the strange conversation he'd had with Christine had disturbed him deeply. He thought less of Christine than around her, and around was a concept so diffusive, so nebulous, and so elusive that it made him oddly and painfully uneasy. So he's starting to figure out, like, this girl, thank God he's starting to figure out that, like, this girl is, like, not the same. I'm just pointing at my camera screen is all I'm doing is Kara speaks. I'm excited. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um... So he's just, like, thinking about it. He's really stressed out. This is, like, a man who's not thought of things. Like, he's having thoughts. And, like, he hasn't had that. So he's, like, really scared. And then it's, like, 1130. And he hears a little tip, tip, tap, tapping down the stairs. And he's, like, what the fuck? And it's Christine. And she is gliding cautiously along the corridor in her nightgown. Uh, She goes downstairs. She's asking the Holiday Inn Express woman for the Hold up. She's in her nightgown? I think so. We can circle back later, but it, it, she's like, got to go yeah, out, yeah, yeah. going clubbing. Spoiler, it's not clubbing. Yeah. So he's following her. And then it says the white figure of Christine stood on the deserted jetty. So much like the girl in uh, The Last Great American Dynasty, the Taylor Swift song, she's standing on the rocks. In in the version I'm used to, and depending on how it is played, it's really easy for it to seem like Rick and Raul are so much more dramatic than this woman. No, she's having an aesthetic little vibes emo scene for herself. I love her. She's absolutely as dramatic as they are. I say it with all love. She's great. No, who doesn't want to go stare sadly out at the sea looking for Lauren in the night? Like, oh, yes. Yeah, because she's like, because she's starting to put some pieces together as well. You know, like, it's not just Rao. Like, she she thought she had a very specific kind of worldview. And now suddenly things are really shaky. So anyway, mm-hmm. so she leaves. Uh, Raul's like, I want to follow her, but I don't want the Holiday Inn Express to know that I have left my room. So I'm going to climb out the window. <laughs> and, and he sure does. And then he, and then we get a cool, spooky time skip. Uh, he was found lying on the steps of the altar and the Love little it, church, Gaston. like, frozen through. And everyone's like, oh shit, like, what happened? And so gaston laroe's like what happened this is what they this is what uh raul told the cops which is a crazy amount of information to give the cops but i guess raul was just i love a bizarrely detailed monologue simply adore it i'm like why would you tell that like it's so like it's just the story still it's it doesn't even they kind of give like a fake question and answer at the beginning and then they completely probably told the cops eight times during the course of this that she breasted boobily but in a pure way I did clock. At several points, he's like, I was not trying to be quiet. Let me be clear. I was not trying to creep on her. Yeah. I snuck out of the establishment. I did not sneak up on her. I thought it was weird that she did not turn to see me with all the racket that I was making. I wanted to make her look at me, guys. (laughs) Exactly. And she completely... So she like doesn't just not hear him then she just starts running it is it's i truly imagine this as like a video i'd love to see an adaptation that leans more into the horror movie energy of this scene yeah she's just running and he's like what the fuck and he's just like running after her and she's just like sprinting to the cemetery and so the gate was open to the cemetery and as some of us know i take a i take a walk through Mm -hmm. the cemetery every day um it does close at five or sunset and they are very strict about it. And sometimes I get kicked out. But they were like, yeah, the gate was open. And he's like, that was weird. Didn't bother Christine. No one else was in the cemetery. I would have seen them, though, because it was really bright. It was like the moon was a floodlight. And he's like, could anyone have been hiding behind the graves? And he's like, no, they're really small. And it was like all snowy and shit. So like 
I would have seen someone. It was super, super bright, he said, like with the snow and the and the moonlight. And the cops are like, are you superstitious? And he's like, no, I'm a little stitious. He's like, as a matter of fact, I'm a practicing Catholic. Yeah, so is Christine, but... It- <laughs> yeah, and so... They're like, well, were you, like, losing your shit? Were you drunk? What's going on here? They're trying to, like, blame this man. And he's like, no, I was totally calm. And I just assumed she was there to, like, talk to her dad. Uh, so I wasn't really worried, but I was just, like, following her super fucking loudly, and she never turned around. And so I just, like, kind of gave her some space and watched her. And so she kneels in the snow, crosses herself, and begins to pray. And then midnight strikes. She looks up and holds her arms outstretched to the moon. I got, I had the sense that she was in a kind of trance. Ah, it's so cool. Uh, and then he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then I found myself looking upward too. I bewildered and I seemed drawn by an invisible power, which was making music and such music. We knew it. Christine and I had heard it when we were children. Never had Mr. Daae's fiddle sung with such divine fire. All I could think of was what Christine told me about the angel of music. I had no idea what to make of those unforgettable sounds, which, if they weren't pouring directly out of heaven, gave no indication where else they could be coming from. Not from here below. He's like, well, no no instrument nor hand on, nor bow on earth were capable of making music like this. It was the resurrection of Lazarus. Monsieur Daya used to play it to us when he was feeling sad and meditative. You mean all the time? So he's playing, um, he's playing Hurt by Johnny Cash. And he's like, well, there's no, there's literally no reason like a human is playing this, which is, <laughs> I almost expected to see Christine's father's grave open at our feet. And then he's like, wait a minute, where's the violin coming from? What the fuck? What the fuck? The music ended and my wits returned. I thought I detected a sound from somewhere near the pile of bones. <laughs> I had the feeling the skulls were laughing now. And despite myself, I felt a cold shiver run up my spine. As you should, buddy. And they're like did you think that the celestial fiddler who had bewitched your senses might have been hiding behind the bones? And he's like, no. (laughs) Christine was so absorbed, it's not surprising she didn't see me, but I locked eyes on the rampart of bones. I was determined to get to the bottom of this strange business and find answers. He's on the case. Then it happened. Then it happened so fast. A skull landed at my feet, another rolled down, and another. It was as if I was the jack in some ghastly bowling game. It struck me that a careless movement had destabilized the structure behind which our ghostly fiddler had hidden. He's telling this dramatic (laughs) story and then in the middle using phrases like destabilize the structure. Like, thank you for that. (laughs) Right. I also just imagine this is like a scene. Exactly. Yeah. He thought he was going to roll up to some guy and like pull the ghost hole sheet off. But now he's like Scooby and Shaggy like and there's a bunch of like skulls rolling down and they're like trying to like run on them but they're not going anywhere forward and so uh so rick christine's just like arms open like not responding to like outside stimuli and there's a shadow and he starts running and he grabs the cloak of the guy and he whips around and he's like i thought i had caught satan and then he passed out Hi. No, so my this is a question I just thought of now. Do you think Rick wanted to be caught? Because he's like, well, say this for me. I can make men pass out on the side. I guess I'm going to have to show this joker my face. Like, because it's hard for how is Rick getting unintentionally caught by this youth who I know has been training for the military, but like Rick, Rick wanted that to happen, right? I wonder. I think he might have genuinely 
fucked up and like the skull started sliding down and he's like son of a bitch and he's like falling i it's very funny and then he's like shit now like the teens are after me i know you know raul is not a teen he would have got away with it if it hadn't been for this for those meddling kids because i don't know if like do you think that he knows oh no he does know he knows that raul is there because he's the one who tells christine that raul has arrived i'm Rick said that out loud. He's in the church lurking. I'm... Rick said it out loud. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy for that. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, I wonder if, like, Christine wrote to Raul. I wonder if he saw that letter. I guess he must have, probably. And then, or even if he didn't, he saw this bitch show up on his Uber. And Rick famously has a ring doorbell on mm-hmm. every premises that he needs. He invented them. So, yeah. So he knew. I don't think he meant to get caught, but I think... I think he's meaning to escalate things. Like, I think he realizes now, like, just like in the musical where, like, Raoul's presence, like, causes him to escalate things. Like, his timeline has to escalate to, like, revealing himself to her. I feel like that's what this is, is, like, he's like, all right, we got to pull the graveyard shit now. And then he's like, shit, the kid showed up. Where is Rick staying? Because he's not staying at the Holiday Inn Express. I bet Rick is, like, sleeping in a crypt or something. Who can say? You know he's sleeping in a crypt. You know... But you also know that he's, like, showing up to the complimentary breakfast at the Holiday Inn Express and taking it all and then leaving. And they're like, are you even a guest here, sir? And he's like, shut up. With his keeps going. Because we know he shows up to an uninvited dinner. Yeah, with his creepy off-putting, like, Groucho Marx clear nose. I'm excited to see that. I have not. Um, Yeah, so then he wakes up. And what a banger of a chapter. We laughed, we cried, I almost burned my apartment down. Powerful. It's true. And this is amazing. So this, this is not, I'm reading into this because I'm an asshole, but like the vague homoeroticism of this man pursuing this other man and like then passing out from how scary he is. Stretched out on the high altar. He doesn't remember anything. Does he not remember anything or does he not remember anything? Air quotes. Stretched out on a high altar is unfortunately horny. I hate it here. I, yeah. Yeah. Who Rick. moved him? Yeah. We know who moved him. Like, nah. and then he, like, staged the crime scene, but since he's not actually dead, you know, let him off easy that time. Yeah. He needs to go bond with Gabriel about how they almost could have died of Rick, but they did not die of Rick. There's, like, a Rick Rick Victims Anonymous. <laughs> Dylan just goes, Rickdoms? Incredible. You didn't say anything this whole time, and that's but this what is the best say? way to welcome friend of the pod dylan our third host really friend of the pod dylan we yes. hope to hear more from him soon oh my god does dylan have any great raul takes or anything like that to to share do you have any great raul takes i'm not caught up okay. he's not caught up he said the book sucks he said it sucks he said i don't enjoy it he doesn't enjoy it it's not that's me. okay not for him prediction corner prediction corner so rick is mm-hmm. escalating which is a term you would use for serial killers, but I am, it, I mean, he's killed it's somebody. It's not, not accurate. So, so he, I think he's going to escalate. So he tried to kind of like seduce her at the graveyard. Don't know what he was trying to accomplish there, but I think the next step is going to be, hey, come to my house. And uh, I'm really excited to see LaRoe, Eric, pull off what we, what we colloquially call the first lair. Heartbreaking. We're going back to box five in the next episode. <laughs> because as much as we enjoyed it but no i feel like no it was just starting to get good and now you're making us go clock back in at the paris opera which is like a family 
hate it there. <laughs> no, I know. They all do that. Especially, I mean, this was published in a newspaper, so this guy was like, ha ha. So, yeah, you were waiting from week to week. Yes. Any other prediction corner? I'm excited for, I know one thing that is coming, which is Raul's gonna, I mean, obviously this is not a spoiler, Raul's gonna see Rick, like, for real. Yep. And I'm excited for, like, the horny energy of that. But I don't know when that happens. But I'm excited. Um, What are you looking forward to this week? A little glow and grow, a little rose and thorn. Oh, so I feel like I brought up the idea and then you encouraged me in it. I have started binging Once Upon a Time. And I always want to convey that I mean this sort of thing with love. Hell yeah. Sometimes I'm just looking for something that's like, like when, when Succession's on, I have to stop what I'm doing and pay attention the whole way. I've got Once Upon a Time playing simply on my phone. It's over here while I'm doing dishes, that sort of thing. You know when I am stopping what I'm doing is when one Robert Carlyle is on screen. See him in all things. He's reminding me of a version of Rick. <laughs> and I got very excited. Also, I truly just, he's, his acting is really, really good. Like, I don't think the rest of the people on the show are awful, but there's, the, there's their acting. And then up here is Robert Carlyle. <laughs> he's... He really put his whole Robert Carlisle into <laughs> into this as Rumpelstiltskin. I'm so excited for you to see what happens. Um, a little peek behind the curtain. Once upon a time was my like comfort show in college, and it was on the whole time, Love and I that. would just come in and out of it. But like I've seen all of it, and I'm so excited for you to go on this journey because it's truly great TV to just kind of put on the background when you're like just depressed and like trying to write a 10 page yeah. paper like oh so yesterday good. it helped me make chili exactly like yeah so he's just really really good but he's like he's gremlin-y and charismatic and that reminds me of rick and i love that for me i'm so excited oh yeah oh he gets more rick he gets so yeah it's just i'm excited to have a little kind of it seems like a very good kind of cozy comfort binge but also it's fine if i'm not paying like all the attention to it sort of thing do you feel ready to pack it in for the day yeah i'm on the michael crawford wikipedia page that's how <laughs> my apartment is smelling we talked for so long that the smoke has cleared in my apartment it no longer smells like i lit a cookware on fire we'll speak to you next time next time in box five <laughs> Magic violin, which already the energy here. We went from like, here's a chapter about managerial like bureaucracy, and now they're like magic, just not acknowledging it. Yeah. Sorry, I pushed the wrong burner on. What the fuck? Oh my god! I'm all melted. I I have to turn my smoke alarm on. I am so sorry. Go for it.